Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. Here with me today is Jane Portman, co-founder of UserList, a behavior-based messaging tool for SaaS applications. She's also the host of UI Breakfast and a better done than perfect podcast, a mom of three, an accomplished writer. And like, I want to go on. I think like there is still a few hats that I haven't mentioned. So <laughs> welcome, Jane. It's great to see you here. Uh, glad to be here, Anna. Thanks for the, uh, for the shiny intro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. And when I interview female founders, especially with kids, I think, you know, there is no limit to what a human being can do because it's a full-time job to have kids. It's a full-time job to have a company. So, you know, you're 24 seven out there. How are you doing this? It just means we're, it just means, <laughs> yeah, we ju it just means that we're good at delegation because there is absolutely no way uh, you can do everything by yourself. That's for sure. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, you a little bit more. So maybe you can uh, dig into your background a little bit and then uh, let's talk about UserList and how you came up with it. We started UserList in 2017 uh, together with my co-founder, Benedict. Uh, he is the brilliant engineer based in Germany. I'm extremely thrilled that he is my co-founder. I think um, finding the right fit co-founder is a bit like being lucky in marriage. And I've, I've been really lucky because it's not just the, um, it's not just the skills fit that we had for the tool, but it's also a lot about the work together kind of style fit. Um, mm -hmm. and our styles of work do match. Thankfully, um, we just came back from a conference together and, um, uh, uh, there was a talk that uh, that mentioned the dateless mindset, which means we're shipping very high quality stuff, but we don't have uh, like fixed sprint dates or fixed shipping dates. Hmm. We just rely more on the sense of quality and scope instead. Uh, so I guess that really helps. Uh, but going back to the origin story, we did work together on another SaaS product. Um, I had a my own SaaS called uh, Tiny Reminder, a productivity tool that did not go anywhere. Like it lasted for a year. I learned a ton of lessons. Benedict was my developer for hire. And that's how we got a taste of working together. Before, before that, we were just friends online, hanging out in the same uh, microconf community. Uh, so when that okay. SaaS didn't work out, uh, I was like, let's just do another one right away <laughs> because I was so <laughs> yearning for it. And at that time, uh, I saw this problem running my own SaaS, that there was no, no great tool except maybe Intercom that would show me who my users are, what they do, and send behavior-based automations based on that. So email, in-app messages, things like that. And, uh, and that's how the story started. We had uh, the product itself has evolved uh, more in an evolutionary manner, so we didn't dramatically pivot. But we mm -hmm. have changed a lot uh, how we position the product. Uh, we switched from like email automation to behavior-based messaging to, to, to other things. And then we ended up a couple of years ago as an email marketing platform. And this really helped us to, to be more specific about what we serve 
uh, because it's an existing market, even though it's like it's a bloody red market, like it's a bloody red <laughs> ocean, uh, very competitive. But uh, just knowing what category you're competing in uh, turns out to be easier than inventing a new one. So right now we position ourselves as an email marketing uh, platform for SaaS companies. Okay, thank you. And I think as far as far as I remember from the research that I've been doing, at first, you didn't want to do uh, marketing at all. You didn't want to touch uh, marketing no, campaigns. <laughs> so that <laughs> that's a pretty dramatic pivot. Uh, so how did you uh, how did you end up doing it? We were pretty stubborn about only doing the customer part, the customer lifecycle email part of this. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, probably about three, four years in, we, we did massive round of customer search and what we should be doing next. And it was the same exact phrasing all over. We want all our SaaS email in one place uh, that I heard from multiple people in the same words. And, you know, if you do customer research, it's like finding a diamond basically and yeah. the similar feeling. So we did add uh, marketing email to the mix. So right now our customers can handle both marketing leads and their own users within the same tool, within the same big, big list, uh, which makes life much easier for them. Yeah, and it, it's things have gotten easier since then because it's really indeed a convenient solution. And uh, the name for this is email marketing, even though it's lifecycle marketing in essence. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so many questions. And, uh, you know, I, I went to, to the website, obviously, and I tried to uh, do my best to understand how the product works. And there are so many features and like so many documents. Uh, so your documentation is really, um, I'd say flawless. Uh, it's really easy to like find the exact little thing that you're looking for, like how you're going to implement user list for your um your SaaS, your product that you're using it for. Um, how did you uh, how did you get there? How did you understand that that's the way to um, to go? Because as far as I remember from one of your podcasts, you said uh, educating customers is one of the biggest challenges, and um, the best way uh, to go with it is to avoid it and to just, uh, choose a product to go to the market with, um, that, you know, people already know, and you don't have to teach them how it works and what uh, it's for. Yeah. We're talking about educating customer that about the needs uh, that they need the product. So about the product okay. category, that is a very, that is indeed a very expensive undertaking. In our case, they know what they need. They know what they need user onboarding. They know that they need lead nurturing and um, th they know what they need, except that they don't exactly know how to get there. Uh, so that, that part we've been, uh, we've been really building over the years and we have, uh, had uh, like worksheets and templates from almost day one uh, to help our customers get started. But the deeper we went, uh, the more we learned about the challenges. Like right now, I'm pretty desperate about like um, if, if there is a, even such a thing as a successful implementation, I'm not sure anymore. It's like we're building a hammer and they need to build a house with it. And that can be any kind of house. It can be hut, it can be mansion, whatever they want. Uh, so we're just doing uh, our best to provide the materials. And in addition to those worksheets and templates, we're also providing like 
planning spreadsheets and uh, strategy calls. And this year we added done for you services, which also works great if they have a budget. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Right now we're in the middle of doing another quick start package and man, it's not quick. Like we really need to rename that because <laughs> <laughs> it involves like so much strategy and thinking. Um, yeah. Especially that uh, our secret sauce and like biggest selling point is uh, the ability to support company accounts, like groups of users instead of just a flat yeah. list and things uh, you can store data on the company level. You can uh, trigger automations on the company level. This is really advanced stuff even for us. Like we're still figuring it out with every new customer is like how to do it better. So um, this kind of stuff requires some deep thinking for sure. So we're happy to think together with our customers. Okay. Well, um, I, um, I remember you said at the beginning that with Benedict, when you're building new features, uh, you're imp implementing something new, uh, there is no timelines. So you're not really uh, thriving to do something super fast. And that's, that's a bit different to everything that I've heard so far on the podcast like everyone usually says like there is a four-week cycle or two-week cycle or whatever uh but at the same time um what you're saying right now you are building and shipping and like talking with customers along with building this new feature right um so how do you how do you balance these two approaches there is no single answer because features just <laughs> differ so dramatically. It can yeah. be something like uh, last year we tackled a complete overhaul of a of the email editor. So how like the email composer, how you write the actual email. So we are now some, having something like a smooth notion, like writing experience and other things. That was a huge project. It lasted for months. Uh, and for sure, it had a different kind of scoping than something else. Um, this time and and for that we didn't do research we just knew the problems we need to fix uh, out of our past experience and collecting feedback this year for example another biggish project was um, analytics uh, email performance analytics so more granular reports on clicks opens etc we had like our own charting library developed um, for that we did uh, a round of interviews first sort of collected the information about what people need and then did our best um, to ship something reasonable within a couple months. So something like that. Uh, and remember, we are working on a live product that sends emails to people's customers. You don't mess with that. You don't ship like quick and dirty uh, for that, True. for sure. Uh, we're pretty good at like being realistic <laughs> with scope and also cutting scope to something that's viable and uh, like, you know, minimum a lovable, minimum viable version that definitely works fine, just maybe doesn't have all the bells and whistles. So, so that's how we flex uh, the scope to fit into some real estate timelines, uh, depends on how the project okay. goes. All right. So you try to test fast, but not mess up with the big picture. Uh, not definitely not the dirty with... versions. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <clears throat> uh, something else that uh, I wanted to ask about that. Um, also, because you just said that um, you found this um, information out of your customer communication. So your customers told you uh, what they uh, would love to do, having it all on one platform. Um, so how um, basically 
how many customers should tell you that the feature should be there for it to be built? Or is it more like an intuition based? So we kind of know that it should be there. We know where we want to take the product, but uh, what customers are saying either complements it or contradicts it, uh, but we're still going to, to go with our guts. Or is it purely based on research? Story of SaaS is limited resources. So we have like a list of features we know for sure everybody really wants. Uh, and that lasts us for like the next three years. Uh, the question is now what we build first and what brings the most value. Um, therefore, it's definitely rooted in real, real life feedback. It's definitely rooted in our own sort of vision. For example, like I mentioned, we are focusing on um, being a great ESP, the email marketing, uh, email service provider, email marketing tool. Therefore, we won't be drilling in on any, like, for example, product analytics soon. Uh, of mm -hmm. course, we know like half of our users won't have uh, that because they have all the data inside and they want to use it. But uh, that's probably not what we will be building soon, but rather like an advanced um visual workflow builder is like our next big project, for example, because it takes us further into this like narrow journey of being in a good ESP. So things like that to make sure we don't get um, sidetracked from, from the core positioning that, that helps as well. Yeah. It's, it's usually we know for sure what we want to do. And then it's just a matter of resources uh, time to do that. Okay. All right. Well, um, uh, another question that I had, and uh, it's been sitting in my head for a while. Uh, you have this awesome experience in, in very different uh, things, right? So you started as a UX UI designer, right? Then you went to writing books, hence, well, about design, but still uh, a totally different set of skills, I guess. Then uh, you had your first SaaS, which was in productivity space, if I'm not mistaken. And that was mm -hmm. email automation. So again, a totally different um, thing. So um, how did you how did you get to it in the first place? Why did you uh, decide to from productivity to build this email automation uh, SaaS company? Where did you get the idea, and how did you know, like you said um, at first, that people needed it? in the first place. So the journey that you described from UX consulting to books to, to SaaS, um, it wasn't exactly like stepping from one thing and forgetting about it and then moving on to the next one. It was more like evolutionary being uh, a UI UX consultant while using all the other things uh, to build authority and to get clients. So it was very, very intertwined. So the books did serve uh, building the consulting authority. Uh, they did help uh, build, uh, get clients. Um, I was a consultant in SaaS space. So I was helping other founders uh, design their products. And of course I had to learn how to build products. Uh, first practicing in my own like little sandbox with the books and my own marketing email list. So I've never been a stranger to email marketing really. Uh, so I've been selling books to my marketing email list, making a little bit cash on the side, uh, running the podcast. It's It's been like there since 2014. So it's been 
also sort of on the back burner all this time. Um, and uh, having watched all these founders, I really wanted to become one myself. So it was a very, very uh, predictable move that <laughs> I'm going to eventually start my product, except that it did take some guts to, um, for example, for the first one, I had to really put together some cash in order to afford uh, development uh, and just overall, like, take the plunge in this journey. Uh, then after doing this first little one, um, it, lear I learned that it's not that scary as it sounds. And then we were able to undertake uh, this bigger project with Benedict. Um, one of my learnings was that uh, little vitamin products are a dime a dozen. And what a really good project is, is an essential infrastructure that is close to the money, close to the customers that is like perceived as a serious product. And that's how we got uh, started with UserList. Uh, what we didn't know is that like we're really going to get into the guts of uh, email marketing automation, all the challenges, etc. But I'm glad that we didn't because if we did, we would never tackle uh, such an ambition pro ambitious project, I guess. And it really helped us to be a bit naive in the beginning so that we can discover this along the way. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Lock your customer acquisition costs and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Uh, obviously. And I mean, you've been building your, uh, your personal brand for a while. I've digged a bit into what you've been doing. And there is this one podcast. Now you're doing another podcast with UserList, uh, where you also interview amazing guests. So this recent podcast with UserList, did it happen because you kind of validated uh, the podcast working for you in the design space and uh, how it built your personal brand and built your authority? And um, did your previous experience with the books and the podcast help UserList to, to start and maybe to get some, some of the first clients. And then you moved to doing another podcast, digging in deeper into email automation or uh, just building a community of SaaS founders that are, I guess, potentially all your customers. So yeah, how, how did you decide to work on, to continue basically working on, on your personal brand for UserList? So UI Breakfast, like any podcast, is not a quick fix. It's not like it's translated to anything immediately. Uh, it takes ages of work. Um, the only immediate ROI you get is, A, learning for yourself. So you get to pick the brain of 
amazing people from day one and be making friends. So you get to make friends with those people that you're picking the brain off. These are like the yeah. two most important things. And these are the things I enjoy the most. Um, then I'm a, I'm a really seasoned old podcaster. So <laughs> I knew the drill, how to start one. I knew the drill. We, we had all the processes and autopilot. So we do have a podcast manager. And back then, um, Two years ago, when we started Better Done Than Perfect, we did have all the processes nailed. So it was definitely very easy to start another one and just to use the knowledge that we have and the comfortable media that we're used to. For example, I don't like recording video and editing video, but I love uh, I love the simplicity of publishing an audio podcast. Uh, that's my favorite type. Like it's much easier to show up for an interview than to like write a blog post, let's say, uh, like a blog post is much more work than a podcast interview, uh, especially like there's still a lot of infrastructure and work involved, but it can be delegated. So I can just show up to the guest, interview them, enjoy myself and, and like reap the benefits. Uh, so we were just using what we know until we know for, for the userless brand. The reason why it was, um, this, a different show is because we didn't want to kill uh, the previous one by pivoting entirely to like marketing topics. Mm. So what we're doing right now is we're publishing um, BDTP episodes to the UI breakfast feed because they're still somewhat related. So the uh, UI breakfast feed currently consists of original UI breakfast episodes intertwined with um, better done than perfect. And so that you know, the audience is different, like in size, Oh my God, how it is different. Uh, the, I'm not going to go in numbers, but it's like probably five to 10 X different, uh, of, of I'm comparing the net native, uh, BDTP, like RSS, uh, feed audience yeah. and, uh, UI breakfast, uh, podcast feed audience. UI breakfast has been out there since 2014. It's one of the most accomplished and promoted design podcasts and uh, BDTP is just another fresh new podcast that popped up later and uh, growth for such things it's never linear like it takes ages to get going so i'm really lucky to leverage the ui breakfast audience for uh the bttp topics that makes sense yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why sure. it doesn't make sense to kill off uh, ui breakfast and, and and i love to keep doing some design interviews because that like kind of satisfies my uh inner designer even if i don't design that much these days at least i can talk to designers Right. Okay. No, uh, I mean, I completely understand like this, this podcast, uh, was never really set off to, uh, to be viral or anything like that. Uh, we always knew that at first it's going to take a ton of time and effort, but if 30 founders, um, watch the podcast or come to the podcast and one of them then comes to us and say, Hey guys, you're cool. We want to sell your company, our company to you. Then this is great. This is, um, this is a great accomplishment. This mm -hmm. is exactly what, what we're aiming for. So I completely understand. Podcasting has a very, very minimal marketing benefit in general. Like it's, it's probably great in helping you build relationship with a couple hundred people or so, but it's absolutely not enough to sell a SaaS. And if we compare, uh, there was another as, uh, like aspect to your question, which was like, did UI breakfast help you sell user list first? Yeah. Uh, if anything, um, the mailing list is much more commercial asset 
than than a podcast feed. So you can launch things to your email list. You can send them like call to action if you want, even though that didn't really help much, but it's still, at least you have the channel to do that. Podcasting, you really, really uh, weak in terms of like calls to action and uh, also very little feedback. It's a pretty silent medium. So don't get this illusion that podcast is like, a solution to everything in the world is definitely, definitely right. not. <laughs> right. Yes. It looks more glamorous than it is. Uh, and <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it seems like, you know, it's all rainbows and butterflies mm-hmm. and you talk to cool people and obviously you guys have to be uh, successful because of it. But um, no, that's just building, building the brand. So, oh, great to, great to talk to a fellow podcaster. Uh, I'll probably pick your brain uh, afterwards, if you don't mind about uh, podcasting. Uh, But let's talk more about the product and how you're doing it. Um, Just before the episode, we discussed a little bit um, how you are building a really dependable software that's um, if you're if you're in, you're really hooked. Like there is virtually no churn there because it's something that you grow to love and you grow to see the benefits of it. But it also has a very long sales cycle, right? So how do you deal with that? What is the sales cycle and how what are your hacks to speed it up if there is anything? There is no hack. Uh, <laughs> there is no hack. Definitely not. That's it. Uh, okay. Like, we finished like, the podcast like you here. Mentioned, <laughs> UserList is an email service provider. So you usually pick one uh, for yourself and it lasts um, a few years at least. So you can love it. You can hate it all. You can you can do whatever. And people usually do have rather strong feelings about their software because um, it can get frustrating if you can't get done what you want to get done in it. Uh, so it's not uncommon for people to have like strong feelings, positive or negative, about their email software. But like you said, they're they're a bit hooked. Like it's not it's not good. It's not bad. It's just a fact. Like you can, you can, we don't want to think that everybody who is on our customer list is hooked. Once the user is successfully integrated, they may have different feelings. They may love it. As you said, not necessarily, they may have neutral feelings. They may hate it as well, because it's like not uncommon for us to hate things if we can't accomplish something with it. And these products are technically challenging. So it's like, it's very common for people to have love and hate relationship with their email marketing tools. But once they're in, it's usually that you won't be switching it anytime soon. Or if you do, that means that it's really at the boiling point. So. We've done those uh, jobs to be done switch interviews, as they call them, a bunch of them. And it's usually a certain point in the company's lifetime when they're ready to switch a tool usually is. They're maybe revamping their user onboarding and they suddenly realize that they hate to do that in their previous tool, or maybe it doesn't fit some of their needs. Um, maybe new uh, marketing managers on board and they want to like refresh the tool so they can start new. Uh, maybe they they hate the previous one with all their guts. That's really not usually the case. Um, yeah, so there needs to be a certain 
point when they're ready to switch. And at that point, uh, we just want to be on the table in their conversation and among the options so that they know what we can do well and they know we can be one of the options when they switch. So uh, with that in mind, our marketing game is very, very long-term. It's definitely more inbound than like outbound sales because you can't initiate that uh, Breakpoint. Right. It's it has to happen in their company when they have resources and willingness and uh, enthusiasm to integrate and to write those emails and things like that. Therefore, we have been focusing on uh, very very in depth high quality content for the last two years, and that has brought us uh, good results. Email automation is a very complex subject. Um, blog posts like. 10, 10 tips for your user onboarding is like, those are a dime a dozen. But yeah. there are some really technical challenges related to the use of customer data and how to think about this, how uh, this works with different uh, pricing models, whether you have a free trial or freemium or some, some SaaS don't have neither free trial nor freemium. So like, what do they do? Yeah. Uh, we do have a blog post for them as well, <laughs> like a guide. Um, so yeah, we really drill down on specific SaaS use cases, niche challenges, and there is plenty. Uh, so that helps because these articles are really hard to write. Like um, yeah. they require, we usually source materials for that uh, using our own like customer conversations. Uh, like we look at challenges people really struggle with and then write based on that. You cannot hack that and delegate it to a third-party writer. They will have no idea like what we're really dealing with. This is a complex industry, so we're trying to address that with uh, complex content. So that has worked. Um, that plus SEO, plus just being out there, building the brand uh, throughout the year so that people know what we're doing well. Yeah, uh, it's it's How definitely email not marketing? a shortcut. It's definitely <laughs> not a shortcut. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> we we do have a good lead nurture uh, in place. We have really nice monthly newsletters. So instead of having a new website visitors convert to trials, we kind of gave up on that a while ago. We still have the, the call to action on the site, but we our primary goal is to drive people to sign up for our mailing list, to grab our free templates and to end up on our mailing list, get the newsletters, remember about us, uh, get the useful content, things like that. And we do have like a nice lead nurturing sequence that hopefully uh, tells them something more what we know about uh, email marketing. So that helps. Uh, I don't think okay. it converts immediately like anything else in the world, but it's definitely better than nothing. For that same reason, like things like cold, cold sales, uh, ads, not not as much, not as much, definitely not as much. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the reason I asked about email marketing, obviously you're in the space uh, and uh, it seems like a lot of people now are saying that, you know, newsletters are booming, they're back, you know, everyone wants to leverage a newsletter and really make it a lead magnet or like a user converting tool, um, share valuable tips or advice or whatever. Um, but it's kind of, um, you whether grow to love email marketing and you leverage it and it's your power tool 
or you grow to hate it, you know, it slowly dies on you and then you say, hey, you know, it doesn't work. Uh, so what's been your approach to that? Uh, and again, maybe you can share a hack that works for you because, you know, I've been uh, hearing founders trying to figure out email marketing throughout the podcast. And some say we hacked cold emails, you know, it works for us. It's our main customer acquisition channel. But some say, you know what, we tried and after like the third one, no one opened it, so we gave up. So what was your strategy? I'm glad that you brought up cold email because um, there are multiple components to SaaS email marketing. And that is, and cold email is a completely separate thing. Uh, so you shouldn't be even using like your domain name for that. It's a cold email is a sales channel uh, and it's not marketing per se. It's email automation that automates um sales emails and mimics like one-on-one -on -one conversations. It's not like, yeah, sure. People use label email marketing for that. But what we mean by email marketing is constant based, completely legal opt-in based, uh, lead nurture. And then those life cycle emails that you send to your customers because you have legal grounds to do so because they're your customers. So we talk about that aspect, the ethical, uh, value-based, completely white hat. It's not even white hat. It's, it's like seriously amazing, like, um, email marketing that again is not a silver bullet to anything. I do know some businesses that uh, make it their top channel, but honestly, these businesses are from the e-commerce slash info product background. These are the hmm. industries where you can drive sales by like emailing your list. Yeah. SaaS, not so much. Like you cannot uh, send a promotion to your list and everybody will sign up for an email marketing automation tool. That's insane. It will not happen. Maybe for smaller productivity tools, you can like initiate some activity, but Usually not, but you can like sell an email to your list. Say like, we've got a book deal today, 50% off. It's just, like use promo code summertime yeah. and you will get like a couple thousand dollars in sales right away. That's why uh, email marketing is more instantaneous uh, ROI for like info products and e-commerce uh, folks rather than for SaaS, which doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing it. Unfortunately, like many SaaS companies just ignore uh, either ignore their lifecycle email or completely ignore uh, the marketing aspect of it. So they don't build a marketing list. They just expect everybody to sign up for a trial and they take it from there. But what do you do with other people? Maybe they want to join your newsletter. Like, do you have a newsletter? Uh, newsletter is by no means a silver bullet. You can absolutely do it without it. Maybe have an evergreen um, nurture sequence instead. But yeah, it's it's not solving any problem 100%, but it's a very reliable channel and you shouldn't be ignoring it. I think there is definitely potential. And uh, this day and age, it's a great spend of your marketing dollars because you just like put it on an autopilot and it runs versus, yeah. I don't know, dollars that you have to pump into ads uh, continuously, for example. Okay. And uh, tell me more about the whole behavior-based concept because for many years, marketers were just happy with like the simplest drip campaigns and they kind of worked. They didn't at uh, most times, but uh, that was 
the use case. So how does behavior-based messaging uh, changes the email marketing? So when you say behavior-based, you envision like a complex chart of different flows and arrows and things. Yeah. But it's not it's not that complexity that really drives behavior-based. Like behavior-based uh, can still be rather simple and uh, transparent. The biggest complexity is that it requires behavior data to run on. Uh, so you need to know what people are doing inside your product. And that is done through certain metrics. Uh, we call them properties and events. And you need uh, to plan what you want to track about them. And then you need to send this information from the back end of your product, not through the JavaScript widget, not button clicks. We mean like if it's a photo editing tool, we mean the number of photos and projects and like certain feature flags. Have they, are, are they using this or that yet? So you want information about their success situation. Um, that does not come natural to like marketers uh, because we're all used to like, oh, plug and play JavaScript widget, like you're done, behavior based. Yeah. That kind of behavior, like with a JavaScript widget, you can track button clicks, you can track page visits. That's not behavior. Behavior is like what happens at the back end of your tool with the user. So that part is probably the biggest challenge. And then using that uh, information, you can do things um, based on it. You can trigger campaigns, you can uh, eliminate uh, irrelevant messages. For example, the classic onboarding doesn't have to be a complex tree of things. It can be just a linear sequence when you send the majority of the messages to everybody, like, like it is a drip sequence, but you would then only send certain messages if something hasn't happened yet. So like you're kind of replicating the job of a customer success manager. If their projects are still zero, means they haven't started using the project's feature yet. So you can ask them, like give them advice. Maybe you, second time you check in with them about it, you can offer them a onboarding call with your technical team, things like that. So okay. it doesn't have to be complex, but you really need to make sense of what people are doing. So that, that customer data aspect is uh, like the, the hidden part of the iceberg that nobody really talks about until they hit the implementation wall and they're like, oh, we need to integrate, like, what does that mean? And, and then they maybe from the top of their head, uh, tell their developers a couple of properties they want to get, but then it's not enough. You really need to plan your segments, your properties upfront, and that takes some effort and some knowledge. And that's exactly that uh, educational battle that we're trying to win here. Uh, so we're just advocating for, for this planning approach. Uh, we're sharing materials, spreadsheets, how to do that well. So hopefully that helps at least a fraction of our customers to do that. Okay. Are you uh, planning or maybe you're already working on implementing UI to maybe streamline the process even more or maybe to, um, to work it into your documentation to make it maybe simpler to find um, some information about the product or how to implement it? We definitely have it all over the place. Um, it's up to them. Like we, we like we really toot the horn everywhere. Um, and and then a lot of people decide to wing it. They they're like, oh, we know what we're doing, and then they stumbled across like missing properties or things like that. Uh, so it's sort of a dilemma to be honest, because you don't see bigger companies like MailChimp or ActiveCampaign 
doing things like our way or no way, like here's yeah. here's the only way to plan your uh, emails. Like uh, you just kind of arrive at Mailchimp and just throw something together, um, and it hopefully works. Like and then they pray it works. We're dealing with more complex SaaS matters there, uh, so it's not as easy to wing it. Uh, but also, not everybody is willing to dive into like in-depth planning from from day one. So yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting journey. Like, do we really niche down on that, or do we just focus on getting more people in the door and then like see what sticks? It's uh, it's that's not how we would like to do things, but yeah, it's it's hard. Okay, all right. So there's still a way for you to to figure out uh, what would work best for the customers, wh whether they are like they're on their own. Uh, or you kind of guide them through the, the entire process. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, one thing that we did to address this is for folks with the budget, we're uh, promoting our done for you services. So uh, really the best way to do this is to hire either ourselves or a dedicated consultant. A typical SaaS marketer is not really trained to do like email automation. You need to be a dedicated email automation specialist to do things well. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I love that approach because again, talk to a few founders that say, um, you know, there is uh, usually a problem when somebody gets to the product and they cannot figure it out right away, they just go to the next one. And that's my thoughts exactly, like I'm not, an email automation specialist, if I were to, to go and set it up, I would probably choose the simplest tool ever because like, that's how we ended up with Riverside, right? There was StreamYard, there was something else. And then there was Riverside and StreamYard and that other platform for the love of God, I can't remember the name. Uh, they, they were awesome, and but they had so many bells and whistles that it was like, okay, I'm just starting podcasting. I just need like two buttons. So, and that was it. So that's how I ended up with Riverside. So the same with um, any other tools. And I think you're right. It's it's better to, to have a dedicated person or a team to just handhold you during this first um, stages. And then you could just uh, take over when you understand what you're doing. Also, what our aspect that we're really confident in is the um, UX. Uh, the fact that we're focusing on SaaS means that we know exactly what a SaaS company needs um, compared to the generalist email marketing tools. So we can afford um, doing like very powerful things within a very simple UI. Uh, so that mm -hmm. does produce a false impression that it's easy to use, but you can do very, very powerful things with it uh, and still like make sense of what's happening. That's, that's really cool. So if you compare our UI to like existing mature platforms, I'm very, very confident that we win on that front uh, on the terms of like simplicity and focus. But to get people to use the UI is a whole different story. I mean, just to get them inside the product, it's, it's a marketing play. So it's not as, as transparent. True. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So just, uh, just a couple more questions that I, I really want to ask. The first one is something that everyone gets. So, uh, so far in your journey with user list, what do you think has been your 
biggest win and biggest failure? Ooh, these are some great questions. <laughs> we'll start with the failure one as soon as I come up with that. Um, so the biggest hardship has been um, the few years where we stumbled around with our positioning. Uh, mm. Like I mentioned, I do think we didn't clearly convey what we're doing well until we came across this um, just like simplifying everything to an email service provider. Until we did that, it was really hard to explain what we do. And it's a very bad feeling when you have like a complex, powerful product, but when you're explaining what it does, people just not get it in the live conversation in their like elevator pitch situations. It's it's really painful. So I guess we lost a few years uh, there, but those again were pretty early years. Uh, I guess we just had our own evolutionary way. And the biggest win is uh, probably content marketing. We're really, over the last two years, we have initiated SEO and built like almost an empire in our blog. We have a really, really amazing blog. We only publish posts that I can personally be proud of. Like as an editor, we only publish very useful, very in-depth specific SaaS content, not like those generic posts or anything. So if anybody is ever up for any email marketing SaaS advice, that is definitely the place to go. We haven't seen anything like that uh, in our competitor blogs. So we're really proud of that. Okay. And I mean, um, heads off, uh, I really got hooked on your blog. Uh, I have a few uh, blog posts open <laughs> right now. So <laughs> after our podcast, I'm, I'm going into uh, to dig deeper. So yeah, definitely cool stuff. Absolutely enjoyed the, the I read a few this morning and I'm um, going to continue, <clears throat> probably going to recommend it to all our marketers um, at SaaS Group, just to, just as a, a little light uh, weekend reading. <laughs> but um, yeah, and um, <laughs> another, uh, another question that I wanted to ask is about the team, right? You started with, it, it was you, Benedict and Claire, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, and how do you structure work? So basically, um, you start in a tiny team, your startup, do you build some kind of culture right away thinking that you guys are going to grow and, you know, get some more people. So, um, you want from the beginning to build a company, right. And a culture that is going to grow into, or you just kind of throw yourself together and because you're just three people, communication kind of happens and people that you hire later, you know, you kind of just expect them to know that they're coming to a startup and certain things are maybe not automated and uh, maybe you don't have um, some processes, some methodologies. So how did you work with this? How did you structure your responsibilities? How did you communicate? The first couple of years, um, there were three of us. Then one year in, Claire did leave. So there were just two of us left as co-founders. So right now we say that it's it's a tool by two co-founders, me and Benedict. And then we've grown, um, raising a tiny seed round and joining tiny seed accelerator allowed us to go full-time on UserList a couple of years in 2020. 
And then when we raised the next angel round in 2021, we started hiring more team members. And that's 2021, 2022 were the years when we started, you know, doing some basic HR, uh, putting out some team rituals uh, in place. Uh, we have like an employee handbook and things like that. We're definitely from day one, we were thinking and planning that we're going to grow this into a company because there's no way you can, you can do this kind of product without a team running, running operations. So we did have that in mind and we just sort of evolutionary um, developed the instruments for, for the team, how, how to do that. We're remote first. Uh, we're a team of six at the moment. I'm sure if I mentioned that. Um, yeah, and we definitely plan to grow in the future. Uh, right now we're uh, in the process of uh, spending that last round and we're on the steady path to being profitable, fingers crossed, sometime soon. Uh, so hopefully we, we will avoid like a VC trajectory and remain sort of bootstrapped. But yeah, it's 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 been a great journey building a team. And it's definitely much nicer to have a team than it is to do just the two of us, for sure. So uh, we even uh, this year, just a few years, just a few weeks ago, gave a talk about how to build your team with very limited resources. Basically, what are the little baby steps, what you can be starting to delegate, even if you think you have no money or no reason to do that. So um, things like delegating support and marketing ops and things like that, that's what every SaaS should be considering if they're generating more or less significant revenue. Okay. And uh, another question is about being bootstrapped, right? So you raised an angel round. Um, and you're now going for, for a VC uh, round. Well, at least that's the plan, right? Uh, but again, something that I've yeah. heard a few times uh, here on the podcast is that this kind of like complex products, complex uh, SaaS companies that <clears throat> are competing with, I don't know, MailChimp or some other, you know, big guys, uh, but have a certain... Um, differentiation that could really set them aside and, and build them a great market. They cannot really uh, do it while while being bootstrapped because they need that push uh, to really uh, send them to the next level. So, what do you think of that? And what kind of advantages does being bootstrapped uh, give you? Um, that is definitely true. And in the times of like depression, it does feel like we're going with toothpicks against an army or something like that, uh, for sure. But uh, being bootstrapped also allows us to fully control what we're doing and do it at the pace where we can um, like enjoy ourselves versus being like super hairy to deploy uh, and burn money and, and then then. I don't know, go raise another round. But by the way, fundraising is no fun activity for sure. Um, so true. like hustling to raise a round every year, I would not like lifestyle like that for sure. Um, so it just helps us to be in control, uh, not to give up too much too soon. I, I can't say that we're never going to raise VC money. Wouldn't swear that off, but... At this moment, it helps us to grow this organic pace versus uh, speeding things up. Yeah, sure, there is absolutely space for like pouring money, more, more, more fuel on the fire. But um, we're doing some of that with engine money. We're not like completely bootstrapped. Uh, so 
we're trotting that middle ground somehow. Um, I wouldn't say it's the best, but it's our choice at the moment. Okay. All right. And uh, then I have just, just one more question left. Uh, could you share a hack that works for you in your space? So what's been the best thing, um, you know, automation <coughs> that you could recommend to, to every other founder? All right, I'm going to address founders of companies that run on freemium. That's um, the type of the company that has the biggest leverage when it comes to lifecycle email marketing. So one hack is don't try to upsell people who aren't activated yet. So you should clearly differentiate between uh, just people who are starting out your goal is to get them off the ground and not worry about sales just yet. And that upsell upgrade sequence that you will promote your paid plan to them should only start later after they start receiving value from your product. So that's one mistake that you should really avoid. And then don't give up on those free users too early. Um, we see people just send them the onboarding sequence and say, oh, those free folks didn't convert. Let's just like write them off. Uh, but you can have, I don't know, three, six months worth of different upgrade emails sent to them. Uh, don't leave that on the table. Don't give up uh, on them too soon. And that doesn't have to be hard sell, like um, salesy emails. It can be inspirational content, can be helpful content, all kinds of things you can uh, do to stay in touch with them. So um, don't upsell uh, free users to paid too early if you run on freemium but also don't give up on those um, free plan users too soon. Do nurture them a bit longer. Okay. All right. That's a great one. I have a ton of really fun uh, experiences with, with emails, um, like sales emails or upgrade emails. <laughs> it's, uh, I think, the, the funniest one I got uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not even sure I understand what the guys are selling because they've been bombarding me with emails, but I haven't really understood like what this is about. But the last email they sent me uh, had a title, We Thought You're a Cool Dog. And it was like, okay, this oh, is just nice. bad. <laughs> so, did, you, did you open it though? Did you open it? Yeah, I did. I did. But um, just yes, out that's of curiosity, the idea. Like, that's the are idea they going... they're using. With like... <laughs> are they going to insult me a little more? It's just, I didn't, you know, I wasn't that food to, to figure it out. Um, but um, yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully, you know, you folks uh, listen to Jane and go to, <laughs> to user list blog and learn how to do it a bit better, <laughs> nicer. <laughs> Don't call people dogs in your email. Uh, Jane knows how to do it properly. So check out your user list. And uh, Jane, if people want to find you and talk to you, how can they do that? I'm personally at, well, user list, user list blog. You can find the podcast on the same website. Um, my personal domain is uibreakfast.com and I'm uibreakfast on Twitter and LinkedIn if you want to get in touch. Okay. Well, thank you so much for this interview. It's been amazingly insightful and fun. That's uh, all we love. 
So hopefully user list goes a long way. I mean, I'll definitely be looking at what you're doing and um, take care. Thank you very much, Anna. Nice being here. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.